Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. That movie would be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between. Uh, this week we're talking about a total topically relevant film. Uh, we all just went to a screening of The Favorite on Wednesday night, uh, and we figured we want to backlog a bunch of episodes for winter break. And, you know, the favorite was a movie that we knew some people had gone to, and we could get together and scramble that together real quickly. Uh, before we get into that, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Greg Arietta, uh, and joining me for our second time, our first ever two-time podcast guest, Ivy Pottinger-Glass. Hello. <laughs> and joining me for our their first times, we have Cynthia Lay. Hello, it's Lee. Lee. <laughs> Uh, and Sabrina Pearson. Yeah, hi. Uh, so, I had already spoiled the movie in a slight offhand comment, but we are doing the favorite this week. Um, it is Yorgos Lantimos' uh, newest directorial feature, um, coming off the heels of Killing of a Sacred Deer, and before that, The Lobster. Um, so right off the bat, we're going to go with um, introductions. Uh, I'm Cynthia. Uh, I am a sophomore here at the UW, and I am majoring in computer science and hopefully double majoring in cinema media studies. Cool. I'm Sabrina. I'm also a sophomore, also in computer science. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> this is you guys' second year at UW Film Club? Yes. Mm -hmm. We enjoy this club a lot. Too. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, back to the film. Uh, we're gonna get initial reactions. What did everyone think of the film? Uh, I really enjoyed this film. I liked a lot of the wacky weirdness, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, of tone of this film. I think the pow power dynamics within the film are really interesting and it is acted really brilliantly by everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also really liked it. I liked the characters a lot. I thought it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's everything I wanted from a Lanthimos film. It lived up to my expectations. And yeah, the acting was really great. Yeah. Coming into this film, I was um, really... marking can do a lot of like positive things. I think for me, going to this movie, having seen that trailer that gets played for all the movies mm -hmm. for like the last month, um, really gets you in like really hyped for it and anticipating mm -hmm. it. Because you're seeing yeah. this... Um, black comedy so that's a period piece and for our prior listeners you guys know I don't like period pieces <laughs> very much particularly with Atonement I wasn't um, that was a film that I was like oh this is a British period piece reject but um, more and more I just figured that opinion is just so tied with past biases um, because this film is really um, really funny really well shot and really well put together in terms of um the way uh, the cast comes together and the way the, the script works to help create that dynamic of the competing favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my only negative is that last third of the film where uh, it's that classic uh, Lantimos lag for me where uh, the same thing with The Lobster where the last third is a little bit slow and it drags because I feel like when you see the first uh, intro of the film, you really buy into uh, that kind of premise. You yeah. buy into the comedy, you buy mm -hmm. into um, whatever he's trying to sell you. 
And then by the last third, I'm like, I wish it was wrapping up or quicker. Um, I kind of had those thoughts towards like maybe this film was split by like parts. So like once it hits like hit like part five, I kind of felt that. But then the more they showed of, from those parts, the more I was interested. So I kind of was like, okay, I don't care if it stops, but I also really am enjoying what they're giving to me mm -hmm. in those parts. Mm -hmm. So I never really was like, okay, just stop now. <laughs> yeah, I was, I didn't know when to expect the ending yeah. because of the act kind of sequence. Like at first I was like, okay, he's gonna do five acts. And then mm -hmm. after act five ended, I was like, right, well, it has to be 10. But no, it just ended on mm -hmm. the eight. eight. Yeah, it yeah. was eight. Odd choice. Yeah. <laughs> so it really like toyed with your expectations a lot, which I enjoyed. Like it was a little bit frustrating, but in the I end, mean, it was that's yeah. the most. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. Just once well. we that once we got past seven, on I was like for sure he's going to ten, and at that point I was like this is getting really long, because usually it's like three five. Or sevens, like at, like sevens, very rare. Mm -hmm. But those are usually the act structures. And then once you went past seven, you know, went to eight. I'm like, okay, he's going to ten now. So we had yeah. another like thirty minutes, which I was not expecting. <laughs> I was at the runtime before the movie, and it said two hours. So uh, and you, you can like kind of tell, like based on the pacing, you're like, okay, I've been in the theater for two hours now. Uh, when is this going to end? And the ending really just snuck up on me, uh, which was the bunch of. Bunnies, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on top of each other, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh wait, the shot is being held for oh, like really forty-five really seconds. Long. This is the end. Wake up, Greg. Gotta like, <laughs> get in here." Um, so for the listeners at home, let's give a short synopsis of the film so they can have some context of what it is. Uh, sure. Ivy, okay, uh, so yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> for everyone at yesterday, or for everyone at home, yesterday we tried to record the podcast, but our producer Louis was not there. This is my first time recording the podcast, and we learned a valuable lesson <laughs> the between volume and gain. Uh, very clear distinctions. Yeah, uh, apparently. <laughs> so basically, we created, we recorded for like 25 minutes of just absolutely peaking audio for everyone's voices. So this is our second attempt recording it. Yeah. Uh, and Ivy, uh, yesterday, like, showed us up in terms of like, technology <laughs> of uh, the film, so we're going to let her... Here. Okay, now there's no pressure. <laughs> um, so basically it's, it's, yeah, it's a period piece and it's based on real historical events in British history. It's like centred around Queen Anne, who ruled in the 1700s, I think. So the main character, or one of the main characters is Queen Anne, who's played by Olivia Colman. So good. Yes, so good. And then her kind of aide, her, somebody who's... Yeah, it's like her favorite, yes. basically. <laughs> At the beginning of the film is played by Rachel Weiss. Yes. And she is the Duchess of Marlborough, I think. Mo yeah. And Mo then basically it's about their relationship. And then Rachel Weiss's character's cousin kind of infiltrates into the royal household. And it's about her kind of trying to work her way up and mm -hmm. gain the queen's favor and it's all about that power dynamic and then at the same time there's the subplot between the political parties who are fighting a war and trying to figure all of that out so there, there's a lot going on yes mm -hmm. yeah um Rachel Weiss is like on a like a good like streak going on here she did um this, this be earlier in the year which is a great yeah. um unsung film 
Um, came out too early. Yeah, it really came out when SIF was going on. And it was directed by the guy who did, um, who had done uh, A Favorite um, Woman. Oh, or no, 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 no. It's... Is it... Is it the favorite one? Is it a fantastic it's, one? Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic one, like, Sebastian Lilo. Yeah. Um, and she was also great in that film. Um, I didn't even, I wasn't even sold on Rachel Weisz. When I had seen the description in the Sith brochure, I saw Rachel McAdams, and it was supposed to be this very <laughs> serious piece. So I'm like, oh, let's see what this rom-com actress has in store. And she's also really great in the film. Um, but seeing Rachel Weisz that year, first um, in that film also, and going into this, probably two really strong performances. Um, and then she also has the Mercy this year, but we just, it's not very good apparently. So oh, maybe two for three on uh, on her uh, year for twenty eighteen. Also, she's like on a tear of like lesbian dramas. Mm -hmm. If anyone's interested in disobedience and the favorite in terms of that topic, in terms of, yeah of what's going on, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah, the, the, it's definitely a triangle dynamic, the power between the Queen and Emma Stone's character and Rachel Weisz's character. Mm -hmm. And the way that plays out is like very funny, but also very dark. Yeah, Rachel Weisz, um, her name's like Sarah, right? Yeah, Sarah. Um, she's like the, like the safe favorite at the start. And yeah. she's like... She's like her closest friends, did they say that? Like, they grew up together? Yeah, yeah. So childhood that's friends. That's kind of like that loyalty childhood, yeah. childhood friend kind the of thing. The queen was, like, getting beat up, and then uh, Sarah comes by and pushes or beats up the bully. That was... Was that? <laughs> I don't remember that. Remember she's what? talking about, like, I remember seeing, like, the pink shoes come up. Oh, that's what she was talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, and she... Lady Sarah's, like, the favorite. She's getting a palace, right? In the yes. middle, In the midst of this war. So the backdrop of this is there's a war going on, and... Um, it's Sarah's husband who's leading this war? Correct. Yes. And as um, as he's away, uh, Sarah's at home kind of influencing the policies the Queen makes. Mm -hmm. The Queen is very... Uh, kind of? She's very... <laughs> yeah, very exacting. Um, the main thing is they want to increase the land tax, which mm -hmm. serves as the subplot that Ivy mentioned yeah. before. Yeah, so the, the two political parties at the time, the Whigs and the Tories, are both kind of fighting for what they believe is the right thing for the country in the midst of this war. And basically Rachel Weisz's character seems to have a lot of influence over what's going on through her husband and also through the Queen, because the Queen turns out to be very easy to manipulate, mm -hmm. and she cares a lot about what other people think yeah. of her. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, one of the people in the subplot is Nicholas Holt, who plays <laughs> Robert Harley, and um, he's trying to sue for peace. He doesn't want to increase land tax, and he wants to um, regain control of the parliament. Is that the correct term? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, he wants to regain control of the parliament, but he can only do that with the queen's command. So he's trying to align himself with Emma Stone's character. Who comes to the uh, comes to the palace as a servant? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she mm -hmm. is a former royalty who, who was got gambled off by her dad. Yes. Yeah, she's fallen from grace. Yeah, mm -hmm. as she says multiple times. Yeah, <laughs> and she's working her way up yeah. by any means possible. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is made very clear. Which yeah. 
maybe Rachel Weisz's intentions are not as clear as Emma Stone's in this movie, but I think Emma Stone, it's very clear. She just wants power. She's going to do anything she's going to get do to get there. Yeah. I don't think she cares so much about power. Like, I don't know. It seems more like she just wants to be safe, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess she wants, like, security, and that comes with power, but, like, I don't think she cares that much, like, what happens in the government, actually. She just Oh, wants yeah, for yeah. sure. She doesn't like, care about the government. Yeah. Whatsoever. By the end, with that one shot where she's, like, crushing the rabbit, it was yeah. just, yeah. she's so drunk on power at that point because yeah. she thinks she has won. Yeah, a classic Lanthimos animal cruelty yeah. just thrown in there <laughs> to, to disturb us a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, Emma Stone, um, she's the only... American actress in this film. Her accent yeah. is fine, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't really notice that much. Apparently, Lanthimos only hired her if she could work with the dialect coach for like a month beforehand. <laughs> so she went through rigorous training, I think, and it paid off. Like, I think she sounded pretty authentic. Yeah. She's, uh, did she do anything between this and her law line win? I can't remember. Oh, she did Battle of the Sexes with that. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. That movie's so long. Oh mm-hmm. my god. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, she. this is her, I guess, she, after she had won an Oscar, she's not, like, been doing some good films as well. Um, but her whole thing in this film is she wants to kind of regain her uh, royalty position because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be a servant. Um, and she does that by creating that balm to soothe the, the queen's gout. Mm, on her yeah, head. yeah. I was even like Phantom Thread vibes. <laughs> I thought they were gonna foreshadow something with the herbs that she was picking uh, in the fields. Okay. And then no. she, I thought she was gonna use that later on to like hurt the queen, but no. Hurt someone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like in Phantom Thread vibes. So, um, one of the things that's unique about this film is how it's shot. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is shot using incredibly wide lenses to the yeah. point where the edge of the frame starts getting distorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fish islands yeah. as well, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. I don't, I can't think of any other That like film. uses it this much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like in it's like every a, part, there's at least one time he uses yeah. the fish islands. It's like a defining characteristic. Um, yeah, the fish islands is a really uh, a good feature for this film. Um, it really kind of shows the, it really helps encapsulate the broad and emptiness of these huge massive halls and these huge rooms that the queen has. While like in capturing like how extra extravagant like everything is, like everything is just gorgeous, shiny, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like these huge hallways and just filled with so much lavishness, but there's nothing mm-hmm. in there. Um, so the cinematographer is Robbie Ryan. Uh, and he had done uh, Slow West mm-hmm. and um, did this yesterday too. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb to the rescue. IMDb. Yeah. Let's pull this up here. Uh, Having seen Slow West, it's nothing like that in terms of, from what I can remember in terms of the cinematography though. Like this is far more, it seems more like experimental and strange, which I think yeah. just comes with the territory of like a Lanthimos film. Because I feel yeah. like he's probably a director who's very involved. Like yeah, I know that sure. this, this is, is this is the only one of his films where he didn't write yeah. the screenplay. So it's like I think he mm-hmm. tends to have a lot of kind of input into all of the various aspects. Passes of the yeah. Film. yeah. Um, 
looking at IMDb, it says he also did uh, American Honey and Fish Tank. And like you said, Fish or American Honey is nothing like this. Mm. So that must have been like a Lantimos um, creative input. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is just, it reminded me a little bit of um, Barry Lyndon in terms of how mm-hmm. Santa Kubrick would use, not ultra wide, but he use wide shots yeah. to create, recreate these portrait uh, frames from the period, like the period paintings, you try to replicate that kind of uh, look so everyone would be staged and set in the way that it would look like a painting. Mm. Um, this one is not <laughs> as well elaborately staged as like Stanley Kubrick had set up, but um, the wide shots and the wide angles were very uh, reminiscent of that in a couple ways. Um, but it is also like shot very weird. You do a lot of low angle shots, yeah. And it's a little. Um, but I un- think it fits the tone yeah, of this piece exactly. perfectly. Yeah. Like all these like wide angle shots, all these low angle shots, a lot of lens flares, fisheye lens, whatever. Like it just fits the tone of this film perfectly. And I'm usually not a big fan if like a director, a cinematographer does that like a lot. But I think it just works so well that you kind of just get the gist. Yeah, there's that one scene where Lady Sarah is talking to uh, Robert Harley about the tax, and mm-hmm. he's just figuring out about it, and they're both doing um, a shot reverse shot mm-hmm. on that low angle, but then it switches over to, um, when it switches over to a telephoto lens when Rachel Weiss goes around, there is like that switch that is, um, that is really indicative of I guess the style he's choosing because he's mm-hmm. using a different a lot of different lenses on the set, but the main one is the ultra wide. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's, it's it, what I'm trying to say is it's very um, diverse and ver- varied, but it's mm-hmm. primarily using that wide angle lens. Another note I found in this film was uh, its use of uh, modern amenities and a kind of um, modern takes on the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. So, yeah, the dialogue is very period piece based and it's very, um, it has all the characteristics of that dialogue, but it has certain takes that would kind of add to the comedy. Yeah, like, I remember one scene where I think it was like Emma Stone, she finally, like, she realizes that, like, Rachel Weisz knows that she, like, is trying to, oh, fuck, I forgot. But anyways, Emma Stone, like, realizes that Rachel Weisz is trying to, like, win back the queen and knows that Emma Stone is trying to win, like, power play her way into the queen's favorite. And then so Rachel Weisz does something. Like, she gets in the mud bath with the queen and then they kind of rekindle their relationship again. And so Emma Stone's character knows that she kind of, like, messed up and she's, like, losing her control. And as she walks away, the camera's like there, and she's just repeatedly like yelling, fuck, 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 fuck. That would never happen in a normal period piece, like yeah. ever. Um, I think it's it kind of that modern and uh, period based dialogue really helps kind of with the black or the dark comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the dark comedy, uh, I think, is one of the biggest strengths of the film. I, Definitely. Yeah, there's some guy cackling. I remember watching this film, and there's just guy behind us cackling his ass off. Yeah, that guy was. <laughs> had a very distinct laugh, I could always make out when he was laughing. Yeah. But um, at the beginning you just can't help but like laughing at everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's the very dry, kind of biting, morbid humor that he does very well and that he does like in every film, I think. Yeah. And it's got that edge of like 
strange bizarreness as well. Yeah. And I think that just comes off so well. And I expect, like, especially Olivia Coleman's character, she's just like, Olivia Coleman's just so great in that role. She is hilarious because she mixes kind of, the queen comes off as very pathetic in her kind of inability to do anything without the approval of others. But then it's also just like tragically sad as well. And it's that mix of like, sad, pathetic, but also funny that just comes across really well. Yeah. My favorite, um, one of my favorite bits of using that comedy is when um, they're shooting the doves. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, Emma Stone's character, it makes an illusion that she knows of the Queen's and Sarah's affair. Yeah. <laughs> and then so she does that fake shot and in the trailer you think that she does get shot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. But then she does, Rachel Weisz makes the jokes like, It'd be a shame uh, if we were to uh, put an actual pellet in here because when you fire the gun, it just makes the sound, which I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's just the gunpowder going off, and there was no pellet in there, and she was making illusions like, it would be a real shame if there was a pellet in there next time, you know, we had an accident. <laughs> they were finding like, a, a mafia shakedown yeah. of a piece. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, that's one instance of the, the comedy. But also, in, this another one that I really liked is in the trailer, is when... Um, Emma Stone comes in and she's all covered in mud mm-hmm. and Rachel Weiss is at, like evaluating what kind of role she would be and they make some note about like, you could be a a, a, a plaything a monster for the kids <laughs> yeah. and it's that short little pause delivery because she's like trying to figure out oh is she serious and then she like does the the, <laughs> um, the delivery and like kind of the the timing you know a lot of the use of comedies how well you yeah. deliver the mm-hmm. timing. Definitely. And it's really done well here. Um, I also think the dark comedy, like, you, Greg, you said that you didn't really like period pieces. I think that the comedy, like, really helps. Yeah. Like, you lose mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. not lose it, like, completely, but, like, it kind of throws off. Mm-hmm. It, the, like, transcends the, the 1700s yeah, of period that yeah. it's set in, definitely. Yeah, because when yeah. you think of a period piece, you think of really, like, strict to, like, um, like really focused on etiquette mm-hmm. and really focused on oh my god etiquette is not a thing in this movie yeah. <laughs> in terms of the people yeah there's there's an absence of mm-hmm. etiquette for sure which I, I think really helps it kind of uh, stand on its own and really mm-hmm. kind of like declare what it what it's doing uniquely mm-hmm. are there like just like extreme weird facial expression reactions like really like took it out of the like I don't know it just didn't feel formal at all yeah and, like yeah yeah. One of my notes I have here is that it's, I think one of the important themes is how these three people are fighting over the, the favoritism between themselves, but th- at the same time, their, their, their outcome is dealing with the fate of thousands of people who are at war between yeah. France and um, Britain at the time. It's not UK. Is it? I'm not, at that point in time, I'm not sure whether it was the United Kingdom or whether it was England or I have no idea. I'm letting down my, my, my country, but I have no idea. Um, but yeah, the, the Britain, they're fighting over, like, they're doing, like, petty arguments over just being the favourite so that they yeah. can have the Some, Queen's, like, yeah. what's the term for it? It's not like, it's like crystal heart or something. It's, it's a specific term it talks about, like the waning favoritism and how it just changes, whatever, ignore it. <laughs> um, but um, these people are fighting over each other and they're like causing like, 
huge monumental decisions like do we impose two times land tax and how yeah. that I think uh, Nicholas whole character references the people in agriculture are going to rise up if you do that so don't mm-hmm. do that yeah. but, um, at the same time they're also making decisions about like battles and wars and stuff like that um, it's also kind of sad because like you have these th- two women who are just trying to vie for like the love and affection of the queen and you have these men in the parliament they're just doing like nothing mm-hmm. to really affect anything yet they still have more power than like a lot of the times they do kind of have more power than Emma Stone character and Rachel Weisz's character and it's so weird to contrast that they're doing so little effort and they still have that kind of political power where like Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone are like trying to kill each other basically to become the favorite of the queen to have some sort of security, some sort of power, some sort of stakes in all of this. It seems to be a Lanthimos theme that he likes to satirize kind of authority. Mm-hmm. And in this, he kind of shows the people who are in power as being just so absurd. And like, he kind of uh, like infantilizes the queen. And I think, I, I don't know, maybe that's another kind of satirization of authority mm-hmm. because definitely in The Lobster, there's a lot of the people in the hotel and their kind of strict rules are definitely kind of made fun yeah. of. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe that's another recurring theme in this one as well. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the use of power and how malleable it is in terms mm-hmm. of the queen is the one making the decisions, but she's also being so easily manipulated Yeah. yeah. Um, is indicative of that. But at the same time, she's um, she has her own personal issues like she feels mm-hmm. like she needs to be loved by someone mm-hmm. I mean um, she's like she lost she like, like 17, 17, yeah, 17 yeah. children 17, 17 rabbits 17 I think that was a really children. powerful scene because mm-hmm. it um the, the use of the rabbits she makes a, a comment about how she loses something each time a child dies and then she mm-hmm. gets one rabbit and then at the end they have all these rabbits overlaid with each other yeah it's like how much has how she, she lost, lost. Yeah. yeah she just lost Rachel Weiss, who was um, like her her actual best friend for the longest time, yeah. and then she just let um, Emma Stone's character come in here. Yeah, and she's losing capacity of her body, body. at yeah, the same like, time. Like you can see throughout the film that her her health is declining. Yeah. yeah. As is her relationship with the people that she was closest to at the beginning. They make mm-hmm. reference to like, oh, it's nice to see you in the garden today, and she's on yeah. crutches because she can't walk on her leg very yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see the awards buzz for this film because I really enjoyed it. It's like one of my favorite films of this year. And seeing um, Olivia Colman, um, Rachel Weisz, and Emma Stone all get award nods for the Golden Globes and stuff like that is really exciting. And I hope more people go see this movie because I feel like this one's going to like... I mean, it has Emma Stone. I feel like it has the star power that... Right. I mean, so so did the lobster, I guess. But this one, he's he's built a reputation for himself, and this one has the star power that might draw more people to see yeah. it. I think Emma Stone is bigger than Colin Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in terms of here, at least. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, this film is going to get a lot of... Um, uh, like, it's gotten five Golden Globe nominations, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Um, I think... I either think it will get a Best Picture nom, but I don't know if it will win it overall. Cause I think Roma. I think Roma mm. will probably have something to say about that. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that it already swept up at some independent film awards. Like it won like 
a crazy amount of is awards. It Gotham. No, it was. I think it was a British. Uh, award. Gotham. First reform won in Gotham. Yeah, that's right. Which that movie is not going to get nominated for an Oscar. Four first. Oh, um, yeah. Golden Globes are crazy. They're so wacky. Bohemian Rhapsody is nominated for best drama. Or we, yeah, it is nominated for best drama. Like what the hell? <laughs> um, I think the Golden Globes were held by the Hollywood Foreign Press, right? Yes, definitely. Um, so there is like that kind of um, there is like if, so if you're living outside of the states, right? Sometimes the American films or foreign films seem like more oh. impressive to you, right? So if we see something like Burning or uh, like something like Roma or like Cold War, we're like, this is art house. Like, mm-hmm. There's that notion of where, mm-hmm. even though something in a different country may just consider a normal film, right? Mm-hmm. Once it goes across the, sti- uh, like once it crosses that language barrier, it's automatically considered art house because it's in a different language and not a lot of people are going to see it and it's going to play an art house cinema. So um, I, I guess the Hollywood Foreign Press t- seems to lean on different tendencies than what the voting block is. The voting block is, like, totally different. Bohemian Rhapsody is... Yeah, I couldn't believe that. For for drama, too, um, like, they just... It's a comedy. It's... I didn't expect Black Panther, Black Klansman, or Bohemian Rhapsody in the drama category at all. I mean, Black Panther is going to be nominated for everything mainly because of the fact of the whole Best Popular Award fiasco, and everyone knew that award was going to go to Black Panther, and now I think every award ceremony is just going to try and make up for that fact. Like, oh, we will nominate superhero films if they're done well, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, My biggest takeaway was surprising how, like, what wasn't there. So, like, Roma wasn't in the drama category... I read something where they have like this weird rule where if you want to be a form film, you're stuck in the form film. And if you want to be oh. the best drama, you're stuck in that. So I guess they're in foreign film and they're just going to try to compete in that. I'll take your word for it because I have no idea about the bylaws for any of the Oscars. I like or the award ceremonies too much. When do the Oscar nominations come out? Usually. It's coming out early this year because they're trying to. They're trying to get a more audience boost. Oh, I see. Which is not going to happen ever, so they should really just stop trying. Um, yeah, favorite has a good chance of getting a lot of I think Olivia Coleman has a really good chance. I think of she deserves. I think she does to, like some sort yeah, of recognition yeah, yeah. for this, especially. I think mm-hmm. it, I think she did it. She's relatively unknown here too, like in the yeah, like States. she's very well known in the UK because of her roles on TV and Peep Show and Broadchurch. But it's it would be nice for her to get like more widely known. I think because Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone they're pretty big they names. They both have Oscars too, yeah. so. They're not going to be missing out on anything. Yeah. <laughs> what did Rachel Weisz went for? She won, like, a supporting actress role in... Oh, fuck. I forgot the movie. It was, like, early 2000s. That's also, like, the ones that are so... The early 2000s and, um, like, 90s Oscars were always surprising me because then you always... You'll see in trailers sometimes, like, Oscar... Academy uh, Award winner, um, like... Uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage. And oh like, yes. Like what film are you look for? Are you the ones that film in the night? Are you ones like a Best Actor Award in like the nineties? Right? Wasn't it no, for Me in Las Vegas? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, there's always those random people that we always, you always see in trailers that say that they win an Oscar and you're always surprised to figure out what they had won it for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just gone into the movies in like the late 10, so I wasn't up to date on any of these Oscar um, awards um, in terms of wins or nominations. Um, Usually if I'm like intrigued by an actor, I'll see like their other filmography and that's just kind of how I discover that they've been nominated or mm-hmm. won. But yeah, same, I wouldn't know. Unless, like, I watched Disobedience and I was like, wow, Rachel Weisz is really good. What else is she in? Yeah. I forgot what she won for. <laughs> um, Google tells me it's the constant Gardner. Oh. Oh. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of that either. Um, yeah, there's also those other random wins, like Halle Berry winning from Monster Ball <laughs> and then going to do uh, James James Bond was after or before the Oscar. I can't remember. I don't know. Then she does, like, Catwoman and then this career. Does she have a career in acting? She was in um, that phone call movie, that police phone call movie that came out recently where she's on the phone and then she gets, uh, she gets a police call. You remember that? We had a screening for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The home invasion one kind of? Or is that a different one? I think it was a different one. That one one has, oh God. That's the one (laughs) where it's like, um, it came out on Mother's Day and it's like Uh Mother's Protection. Oh, that's Um, not the same one? There's... Thing is, they're all like kind of these B or C rated movies. Yeah. Taken, but like, <laughs> but with a mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued to see how it does like mm-hmm. overall because it is a collaboration between because like Landmos is a Greek director. Dogtooth was his only like major film in Greek, right? And then the other ones have been in the English language. So it's like. I feel like he's made that transition so that he can't. He's like gonna gain a wider reception, mm-hmm. because this film was a collaboration between three different countries. I think, I think U.S. is one of them, and then previously, the Lobster was like Ireland, the Netherlands, Greece. Like he's done a lot of like mm-hmm. multi-country collaborations. So I think he's kind of found his in for like a wider audience. So yeah, well, I'm yeah. intrigued to see what happens next, yeah. and and it's not like seen as a. F- foreign picture because it has these huge uh, yeah. like international <laughs> ac- actors in it and I'm interested to see how the wider audience reacts to this film because it mm-hmm. is a little weird and wacky and a lot of people still haven't seen his films yeah until. exactly so like if they're going in and they're like oh it's Emma Stone Rachel Weiss and Olivia Coleman in a period piece it's gonna be a great time yeah and then they're like seeing these women battle each other and like, especially the dancing scene that oh my god play. yeah that'll throw a lot of people off Yorgos if they're Yorgos. expecting a nice 1700s <laughs> dancing they're not gonna get that was that traditional no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a classic Latimos yeah. da- dance scene yeah they're wacky as fuck. <laughs> the costume design is really good in this movie. Yeah, as the well. costume design is really good in this movie. I read somewhere that Emma Stone, when Emma Stone kind of ascends, her costume it actually like reflects like the nouveau riche, like compared to Rachel Weiss's costume. Oh. It's like hers is more traditional for like for aristocracy to wear, mm-hmm. whereas Emma Stone's is more like other people could tell that she wasn't. Now, even though she was born into aristocracy, other people would tell that it's like, oh, she's new, new money, <laughs> new money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you could tell that at the end, right? Yeah. When she's like drunk at that party, and she's yeah. just acting way differently than everyone. Yeah. What scene was that? Like way at the end when 
they have like some party and mm -hmm. the queen calls her in and she's super wasted. It's oh, like a little bit you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think she had like that. Remember that like badger eye scene at the mm -hmm. beginning? Like she had that eyeshadow on at the end. And I don't know if it like yeah. meant something or not, but huh. I don't know. Maybe fashions like the seventeen hundreds. Maybe she can pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> was on the new trends of fashion uh -huh. before it even began. <laughs> Emma Stone had the. Yeah, she did. I didn't um, even notice that. I didn't notice it either. <laughs> but if, now that I, now that you mention it, my only theory could be. Uh, like Rachel Weiss said, you look absolutely stupid with that makeup on. Why are you wearing it? Mm -hmm. And she says like something along the lines like, "I only tell you, I'm only mean to you because I want to tell the truth. And I would never yeah. lie to you." Yeah, yeah. And then Emma Stone maybe wearing it, even though it looks like stupid. You look like a badger. Yeah. Um, she's only doing it to please the queen because I guess she somehow figured out that the queen likes it, even though the dialogue mm -hmm. only happened <laughs> between those two. Mm -hmm. no, that's I mean, my only yeah. take it does reflect like. How different their approaches are in yeah, terms like, of treating. Yeah, like Emma Stone would charm the Queen in any way she can, mm -hmm. and Rachel Weisz is way more brutally honest. Yeah, and h harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and well, we know which one the Queen preferred, kind of at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the costume design really well done. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these period pieces sink or swim on costume design, mm -hmm. or that's what they're really known for. Is that like they always get. Academy yeah, Award for sure. That category, you know, everyone, everyone likes to be dismissive of the period, period piece films, it's including hard. myself in the past. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Do those things. Um, but you know, I, I had just seen uh, Marie Antoinette recently, mm, me too. which is <laughs> absolutely like on point with yes. its aesthetic yes. and its design, um, and the way this film was produce in terms of production mm -hmm. uh, remind me a lot of that too also kind of thematically going back to that yeah. thing we went back before where you're talking about um, uh, individual conflict resulting in the effects of other people's outcomes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in that in that film they actually show the the, uh, the people getting upset um, and this one it kind of keeps it outside and doesn't keeps it off screen I think, yeah, I mean, keeping it outside and off screen probably was a good thing because then you can kind of see more of like how tragic the queen yeah. is mm -hmm. as a character. Agreed. So then you don't see that backlash kinda, against her. It kind of plays into the whole like, oh, they're just rumors. There's a rumor that there's been a, yeah. like a revolution in Leeds or something. And so you don't know that that's actually happened, but it's the same that the queen doesn't actually know that that's happened, but she's worried about it, nevertheless. Yeah. Like, she's so worried about rumours and what people think of her. And, yeah, it's, like, what's said but not seen, in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Going off of that notion, too, there's also the... Uh, Rachel Weisz's husband is always... You don't really see him until the very end. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. then you figure out at the end that he's completely... Just, Dumb. Yeah, he's really dumb. <laughs> They're like, oh, we haven't heard back from him in a, in a couple of weeks. And I think, was it Rachel Weiss's character who says don't send anything? Who was it the one that says don't send a message for him? Was I it? think that was Emma Stone. But it's, she's saying something about turning up to a party late or something. Yeah. Was that her? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. This is sad. <laughs> I was telling two nights ago. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How, how much you can forget in two days. Star Wars holiday special release in Melchior. Oh my Brando. god, that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's not go into that film. Um, but yeah, he comes off screen and he is 
just living off screen for half or two thirty yeah. of the film, come mm-hmm. back later, and he's just really just not all there. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny where she, they like comments like, "Oh, the male's here," and she's like, "How do you like living not in England yeah. <laughs> anymore?" Because like the whole army is there to gather to tell her like, "You need to get the fuck out." For her, oh. At the end. Oh yeah. Um. I kind of liked the the contrast between her husband, who is like the leader of the army, being completely idiotic, and then the three central women, like, well, two central women, so intelligent. I'm not sure whether the Queen necessarily is of their, the same calibre, but <laughs> Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone's character, they're, they know exactly what they're doing. They're very manipulative yeah. and smart. They know how to get what they want. Yeah, I think that's... Um, it's a really good theme, particularly because... So much in politics are ruled by men. Yeah, for sure. And you just like, wow, politics are so bad. All the men in this movie are really dopey exactly. and really dumb. Yeah. And they rely on they rely on the power of the Queen, Rachel Vice and Emma Stone's character to yeah. get things done. And I think that just says a lot. I'd say maybe Nicholas Holt's character is perhaps an exception to that, but even he is he still needs Emma Stone to yeah, get he information needs, for him. Yeah, he needs others. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of very like pernicious as well. Yeah. Like he can manipulate <laughs> people in a very horrible way when yeah. he wants to. Yeah, and I, th- I think um, what I think is so good about this film is that Rachel Weisz is pulling all the strings. Is that you have in that parliament scene all these men are just fighting with each other. You have the red and the blue side just yelling at each other from across that hall. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's um, like Rachel Weisz is in that one shot where she's. Uh, like walking out of the hall because she's like these guys are just arguing 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 it does not matter we're not going to get anywhere my goal is to win the heart of the queen and the queen has supreme power mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, also I thought it was a really funny line when Emma Stone when uh, Nicholas Holt character walks in he's like <laughs> yeah. are you a gentleman or a criminal um, are you going to rape me or uh, seduce me he's like I'm a gentleman he's like oh so you're going to rape me <laughs> that was such a great line in terms yeah. of that's also goes back to like the dark comedy um, where it presents some kind of underlying truth but it's kind of funny in this sense was that Nicholas Holt or um, the other dumbass guy I think it's the other guy Joel Alwyn oh <laughs> you're right boyfriend. that's the one she marries <laughs> Yeah, I get them mixed up. They're all just wearing wigs and makeup, and I just mm-hmm. can't make discern them. Yeah. I mean, I think Nicholas Holt has that little heart on the side of his face that kind of... I don't know. Was I the only one that noticed? Or was it a heart? I can't remember. She said, I'm going to smack the mole off his face or something. I think they changed them. I think they're, like, accessories, and they changed them depending on... What do you call this? Yeah. Again, where it's like, wow, these men are, like, covering themselves with makeup wigs, and the women don't really do that much to like make themselves seem different than they who they really are mm-hmm. yeah I think uh, like um, oh, the Coleman character she's in a, a nightgown for half the film yeah. she doesn't really care she just like where's the cake no mm-hmm. um, people come into her room when she's just like in when she's in the throes of gout and she yeah. like has counsel with people no matter what like they see her at her worst yeah, mm-hmm. she's laying in her bed, mm-hmm. the blankets everywhere, and they're just talking about like foreign policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone, uh, we're closing on 
the final minutes here. So uh, we have some good final takes on everyone's uh, final thoughts on the film before we depart. Uh, I just hope a lot of people go see this film. I think it's one of my favorites of this year, uh, pun intended, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I hope a lot of people see it. It has some really interesting things to think about. And it's also just interest. It's an interesting film and it's not that straightforward and it requires kind of some thinking, which I hope a lot of people will get away from liking this film. Yeah, I don't know. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm gonna like make my friends that don't like to watch movies watch it, and it'll be interesting to see how they, how if they like it or if they hate it. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah. I just can't wait to see what Monthmos does next. Mm -hmm. I mean, so far he hasn't disappointed me. So, <laughs> and he's he's come out with what two movies in the space of a year. Or just uh, just under a year. Yeah. So, came out last year. No, no, no was Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, I totally forgot. About yeah. That. So uh, that just might. I mean, if this is anything to go by, he's on a bit of a streak. So. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's a really funny film. Definitely see it for his comedy, and it's also a kind of unique take on a period piece. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were like me, where you think you see a period piece, if you see the poster and you think of a period piece. Uh, do not take that expectations for this film. This is not. Um, oh, period not, pieces are really great. <laughs> are you the? Did you put Pride and Prejudice as the recommendation? No, I but I would. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had written Pride and Prejudice on the. I think Sabrina did. I think I forced her to. <laughs> I haven't seen it actually. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm with Greg. I'm mm -hmm. not one for period pieces, and this was just great for me. So I think it's definitely one for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely takes a true exception uh, to convince me about seeing a period piece in this film. I think we'll do that for myself personally and many others out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely go check it out. Um, that'll do it for us for this episode of the UW Film Club podcast. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Film Club UW, UW Film Club, either or. I can't remember. It's been a long day. Find us on Twitter at Film Club UW. I know that one's a certain fact. Uh, University of Wisconsin Film Club. I'll pay you for this Twitter handle for UW Film Club. Wait, really? They yeah, have it's that? University of Wisconsin and it's a dead wow. Twitter account. They're not even a real UW. Sad. We're on Instagram at Film Club UW as well. Uh, we post an episode of the podcast every Monday on not soon to be Spotify, I'm working on that. We're gonna, but we are on SoundCloud, we are on Apple Podcasts. Rate, comment, and subscribe on there. That's the only way the algorithms will boost us uh, for all 30 people that listen to this every week. Ooh. 30 <laughs> unique people. Um, let's see here. I think that should do it. Go look at our Casper mattress link or Amazon Smiling. Yeah, Blue Apron. That um, Blue Apron, that freshly. Yeah. We work. Um, we transfer, um, cash app, cash Instead app, of never, that, I don't, that's on my podcast, <laughs> um, but that should do it here, thank you everyone for listening to us, stay here, stay tuned next week where we talk about Batman Returns with Club President Jamie Hauser, uh, that should be for this episode.